Hello and welcome to the Zip Files, a weekly technology news catch-up show. This week, I'm jamming 10 bits of tech news deep into your ear cavities. Listen out for Anderson Horowitz's new $300 million crypto fund, Uber winning back its license in London, an AI healthcare startup named Babylon claiming it's better than doctors, and much, much more. Unfortunately, I was struck down by fever this week, which nicely coincided with having lots of work. So I haven't got a special guest, unfortunately. Sorry about that. But fear not, there is good news. Edward Fernie Howe has written an hilarious long listen documenting his opinion of exclusive dating app Raya. Stick around for giggles. Anyway, without further ado, let's get all caught up with the world of tech. Cryptocurrency has taken a nosedive in 2018, with Bitcoin falling below $6,000 this week from an all-time high of almost $20,000 in December. This hasn't put off world-famous VC Anderson Horowitz, though, who has just raised a $300 million fund devoted to investing in the crypto space. Horowitz has brought in its first female general partner, Katie Horn, a former prosecutor with the US Department of Justice, to lead the fund. During her tenure at the US Department of Justice, She worked on some high-profile cases and is perhaps best known for her role in the criminal investigation of Silk Road, the online black market for drugs, assassins, weapons, and basically everything and all things nefarious. A16Z, as Anderson Horowitz is known, is not so concerned with the crazy price fluctuations that currently haunt the crypto space as it is taking a long-term approach to investing in this future technology. A16Z will invest in protocols and cryptocurrencies consistently, regardless of market conditions, and hold these investments for a minimum of 10 years. Chris Dixon, also tasked with leading the fund, said this of the strategy, quote, We think that in the same way that if you went back and invested in social networks 15 years ago, the right answer would have been to hold onto those investments for 10 plus years. It really took that long for those networks to kind of get to scale and for people to really realise their full value. End quote. Apple is set to release higher-end versions of its AirPods, a new HomePod smart speaker and some high-quality over-ear headphones as early as 2019. The new AirPods will have noise-cancelling capabilities, be water-resistant and with increased range. According to the leaker of this news, we won't be able to swim with these though. The water resistance is just to guard against rain and perspiration. The high-end over-ear Apple branded headphones will compete with its Beats line, the company founded by Dr. Dre and acquired by Apple in 2014 for $3 billion, whilst also competing with the likes of Sennheiser and Bose. It's an unsurprising next foray into the accessory space and one that nicely rounds out the company's offerings. In fact, it is kind of slightly odd that Apple hasn't made this move sooner. E-scooter startup Bird has just raised $300 million of new funding in a round led by Sequoia Capital. The company is growing so quickly that the first half of the round was raised at a $1 billion valuation, while the second half was raised at a $2 billion valuation. The e-scooter space is exploding and supplying these stellar unicorns is big business, Chinese Segway 9bot is the manufacturer of choice, 
and intends to hold onto this title by improving its vehicles to be optimized for the ride-sharing model. The next generation of e-scooters will have better lights, tires, and connectivity built in. Whilst the likes of Bird and Lime highlight that their e-scooters are custom-built, the reality, according to Segway 9bot, is that the differences are superficial. The base vehicle is the same white-label model that the company manufacture. Facebook has scrapped its plans to build internet-beaming mega-drones. The Boeing 747-sized unmanned drones were being developed by Facebook in England under Project Aquila and were part of the company's ongoing efforts to bring wireless internet to the developing world. Unfortunately, the project has had a rocky few years and only managed two test flights, one of which ended in a crash landing and the other with the drone damaged. The company says it is still dedicated to increasing worldwide connectivity and hopes to continue working on the solution, just not as the manufacturers of the craft. Facebook's partnership with Airbus, which was announced in 2017, is now critically important if Zuckerberg wants to succeed in this space. Uber won a two-day court battle to get its operating licence back in London this week. Transport for London, or TFL for short, decided in September that it would not renew Uber's licence as a consequence of its brash behaviour and lackadaisical approach to public safety. The ride-hailing startup immediately filed an appeal and has been allowed to operate in the meantime. Through the trial, Uber maintained an apologetic tone, agreeing that it was probably right that the company lost its license and arguing that it has fundamentally changed since September, blaming its past bad boy days on former CEO Travis Kalanick. New CEO Dara Khosrowshahi has been much more responsible and seems to be fixing the reckless culture that Uber was initially built upon. Chief Magistrate Emma Arbutnot recognised this and has granted Uber a 15-month probationary licence with mandatory bi-yearly independent audits, a requirement to report all serious safety complaints and improve training of drivers on car-sharing safety. Welcome to this week's Long Listen. In this week's long listen, Edward Fernihow gives us his opinion of exclusive dating app Raya. Spoilers, he's kind of not into it. Raya is an invitation-only online dating app. You might be thinking that since there are already plenty of other dating apps out there, our Tinders, Bumbles, Badoos, etc., singletons cannot possibly need another one. You're right, people don't really need much more vapid shit. But this is Western capitalism after all. There are plenty of other dating apps besides, but Raya is a very special one. Raya has a catch. With the app up and running, you might be so fortunate to encounter swathes of single celebs, public figures and corporate creative hotshots. I said might. Chances are you're not invited. This app is the self-professed Jose Mourinho of the dating world. And by golly, it's a special one. The creator of the app, Daniel Gendelman, describes it as a simple solution to a, quote, big problem for a small number of people, end quote. The small pool of people Gendelman initially targeted with the app were supposedly prominent, trendy, interesting people, 
The problem the creator attempted to solve was the dating strife of the uber cool. Too famous, too successful, too boho bourgeoisie to muck in with the rest of the plebeian scum, still swiping on Tinder and buzzing on Bumble. Obviously, thought Gendelman, these uber cool dons need their own exclusive digital playground. As a Rye user put it, quote, Tinder has become the dating pool equivalent of riding the city bus, end quote. Thank God then for Gendelman, creator of Raya, saviour of the Uber Cool. Comparisons have already been drawn between admission to Raya and memberships of elite clubs. Soho House and the Bloomsbury Group are noteworthy analogues to Raya's exclusive aspirations. If you fail to impress the app's moderators, you're in the bin. Forget about who you might be matching, you don't even get the opportunity to swipe. The list of applicants is internally moderated by a group of 500 members. If they decide they don't like you, well, see you later. Raya has an increasing waiting list of over 100,000 people. Getting put on the waiting list is synonymous with the cut. Cut for lacking the sufficient swag, for having a less than dope personality, and for seeming as though you can't even pretend to know about Camu and Co. Can you smell that? Should you pass the admissions cut, monthly membership costs $7.99. Tinder Gold costs $14.98 a month. Haley Greenberg, a social media manager in LA, described the typical Raya punters as, quote, good-looking, the athletes, the actors, the folks that have like 500 followers on Instagram, but got accepted because they DJ, end quote. Kevin Roos, in his New York Times article, describes the admissions process as a mix between algorithmic analyses and manual scrutiny by human gatekeepers. Factors considered include size of Instagram following, how many Raya members he or she knows, and other less quantifiable attributes. Other less quantifiable attributes seems like a not-so-subtle way of saying that the app distinguishes between the uber-cool dons and the trash heap by measuring admissions according to subjective aesthetic and socioeconomic preferences. In other words, blokes with fatty biceps and abs so cut you can see their organs pumping beneath the flesh. Other less quantifiable interests must include postmodern poetry, deep underground avant-garde house and SEO, preferably enjoyed semi-simultaneously. Fashion tastes must include Gucci bogos, whistles and Balenciaga. Sick. Roos admits that Raya is snooty, though personally I think shitty would have been an equally accurate adjective to use. He goes on, however, to suggest the app fills a market niche. The market niche referred to describes the creative upper crust of society, Gendelman suspected, quote, that online dating didn't work for everyone. Celebrities avoided it out of embarrassment. Artists and musicians didn't necessarily want to be on a platform that lumped them in with bankers and lawyers, end quote. Hence Raya. Ah, so that's the source of the smell. Raya is not exclusively limited to dating. It also features a professional networking section like a LinkedIn exclusively for fit people with edgy tastes and interests. The platform currently earns the bulk of its money from subscription fees, but plans to plagiarise Tinder's bolt-on model in the near future. Ideas also swirl about making the app somewhat less exclusive by the introduction of new features such as endowing current users the ability to recruit a friend. With such ideas in the pipeline, it may be the case that Raya sacrifices some of its exclusivity for profit. The knowledge that on the app celebs abound might be enough to entice new subscribers with the promise that they'll become part of the uber-cool, classy community, thereby diluting it all with us lowly 
mortals. Sequoia Capital has raised $6 billion for its new fund and is reportedly looking to stick $2 billion more onto what is already the biggest raise in Silicon Valley history. The Monster Fund, which is nearly four times larger than Sequoia's previous fund, will be used to compete with the monolithic $100 billion Vision Fund under Japanese conglomerate SoftBank's control. All of the $6 billion raised have come from investors who have not previously been involved with Sequoia, a sign that venture capital's appeal is growing as people look for higher returns. Sequoia will use the money to make multi-million dollar investments in emerging companies worldwide. At Google's annual I.O. conference in May, its Google Duplex system stole the show. The demonstration showed the AI system book restaurant reservations and hair appointments while seeming to trick the caller into believing they were on the phone with a human being. This bot felt like the culmination of Google's efforts in voice recognition and speech synthesis and appeared a leap beyond anything of its kind currently on the market. The voice of Duplex is handled by Google's DeepMind division, whose human mimicry abilities are even more impressive than the verbal tick, ums, ahs and OK awesomes that humanize the system at the moment. Indeed, there are demos of WaveNet, the speech synthesis program, breathing and making mouth sounds like lip smacking which, if added to Google Duplex, could take the whole thing to another, even creepier level of humanness. Rather understandably, many were concerned by Google's innovation at I.O. It seemed that the company had forgotten to think of the ethical implications of a robo-caller that sounds and acts human, whilst also disregarding wiretap laws, which require recorded calls to be announced as recorded. There were even those who thought the whole thing was faked, this week, a group of reporters were allowed to test out Google Duplex for themselves and invited to act as restaurant staff receiving the AI's reservations. The two revelations from this were, one, that Google seemed to have taken note of concerns and now Duplex announces itself as a robot from the outset, and two, the I.O. demo was probably edited for brevity and privacy, but the AI is actually still awesome in real time. It handles complex calls within the narrow scope of reservations with tremendous acuity. Very cool. Fortnite, the first-person battle royale shooter that sees players face off in a 100-person fight to the death, had its best month yet in May, grossing a whopping $318 million for the period, a figure that is $95 million more than the next leading free-to-play game made in its best month. According to data cited by Recode, Fortnite has generated over $1.2 billion in revenue for its makers since launch and shows that gaming is clearly on the up. All 10 of the top grossing months for free-to-play games have come in the last two and a half years, with Clash of Clans February 2016 being the oldest. Babylon, the awesomely named healthcare startup, has claimed that its chatbot is now better than general practitioners at taking medical exams. The final test that a GP takes before accreditation is the MRCGP, 
an exam that has seen an average of 72% between 2012 and 2017. Babylon claimed that its AI system achieved 81% on its first sitting, something which, if true, is very impressive. This sparked a bit of animosity from the Royal College of General Practitioners, who said, quote, No app or algorithm will be able to do what a GP does. And then, There are many factors to take into account, a great deal of risk to manage, and the emotional impact a diagnosis might have on a patient to consider, end quote. Babylon's CEO said in response, quote, We are fully aware that an artificial intelligence on its own cannot look after a patient, and that is why we complement it with physicians, end quote. I mean, no offence to doctors, they are great, but I think it's a bit narrow-minded of the RCGP to say that no app or algorithm will be able to do what GPs do. Diagnosing a patient is ultimately based on holding a huge pool of information in one's head, sifting through it systematically, working with probabilities and making a final estimation, things which an AI is inherently better at. The human empathy that a GP brings to the equation is unique for now, but this is a competitive advantage which cannot really be expected to last for that much longer. Amazon has reportedly agreed to acquire online pharmacy startup PillPack for just under $1 billion. This is a sign of how Amazon is looking to disrupt and capitalize on the lethargic pharmaceutical space. PillPack lets users buy prescription medications in pre-made doses and informs them through its platform of how to safely balance meds and doses of various medications they might be taking. PillPack already has a license to operate in all US states, but we can expect Amazon to massively scale the operation. Leading pharmaceutical company stocks took a nosedive on the news, punished by the market for not innovating on their aged business model. And it's done. (laughs) It's over. You can open your eyes now, take it all in. Hopefully the tech world around you makes a bit more sense. You're all caught up. If you enjoyed the show, then please share the zip files with a friend. If you hated it, then please share it with an enemy. Also, sorry to be hashtag that guy, but if you're feeling bright and breezy, happy and friendly, then rating the zip files five stars on Apple Podcasts would help me out massively. I love you all. Until next Sunday, enjoy your oat milk lattes and have a great week. Bye.